What's going on, Greater Impact Church? I pray that you guys have had a blessed and impactful week. And I pray that you guys are just as equally excited as I am to be here on tonight, to hear the word of God, to go further into the presence of God and be able to receive all that the Lord has in store for us on tonight. Amen. Well, um, it's always a joy, a blessing, an honor, privilege, all of the above of mine to be here with you guys each and every week, leading you guys into the presence of God, leading you guys into the um, the presence of God and, and, and delivering the word of God to you guys. Amen. Amen. Um, to all of our first time guests, welcome, glory to God. I know that we welcomed you at the beginning, but I personally wanted to extend the welcome to you. Uh, so glad that you are here. I don't believe that you're here by accident. I believe that it's by divine appointment that you are here. I believe that it is by God's grace. It's by God's mercy that you are here on tonight. Do me a favor. Say to your neighbor, neighbor, it is so nice to see you. And say to your other neighbor, neighbor, it's about to be good. Amen. Amen and amen. Glory to God. As always, we encourage you. I encourage you to put away all the distractions away from you in this moment because we are about to get into the word of the Most High God, and I don't want you to miss out on what God has in store for you. Say to your neighbor, neighbor, do not miss out on what God has in store for you. Amen. So put away in this moment all of your distractions. Glory to God. Um, we're going to get into the word of the Lord for tonight. Amen. Um, as you guys know, we've been in this command series. Amen. God has had us in this command series for the past four weeks. Amen. Have you enjoyed it? If so, give God the praise, give him the glory and the honor right there in the chat. I know that I personally enjoyed this series. I know that I personally enjoyed each and every message that God has given me to be able to share and preach and teach to you guys here. Amen. Uh, so I pray that you guys have been enjoying it as well. And I trust and have faith that you guys, um, have done so. Amen. Um, I'm super excited for our message on tonight. Um, however, I am, it's a bittersweet message. And the reason why I say it's a bittersweet message, the message in itself is sweet like honey, but it's bitter because this is the last message in this series. Amen. This is the last message in the series command. So as always, we encourage you guys to take notes and uh, whatever fashion or form that you do that in, if that's, you know, through a texting app, if that's through your computer, if that is, um, you know, pen and paper, so be it. But we encourage you to take notes nonetheless. Amen. And if you have not already done so, invite somebody to come and join you tonight here at Greater Impact Church. We definitely want them to be able to engage with the word of God. Amen. And we want the word of God to be able to engage with them. Amen. Anyone and everyone is welcome. If you are watching outside the chat, you're not active in the chat currently. What are you waiting for? Go ahead. Log into that chat. Let us connect with you. Amen. And we trust and know that it will be so in Jesus name. Amen. All right, guys. Well, without further ado, let's go ahead and get into the word of the Lord for tonight. But before we do that, let us go into a quick little prayer. Heavenly Father God, we give you thanks for all that you've done. We thank you, Father, for this moment. We thank you for this word that you have set apart for us. Father God, we pray that you bless our time together in your word, that you lead us and guide us through it as only you can through your Holy Spirit. Father, soften and prepare our hearts, O God. Open our ears and our eyes spiritually that we may fully receive all that you have in store for us. Father, we surrender this moment up to you now, Lord. Speak to us, for we are listening. And as always, O oh God, let me decrease that you may increase, that I may not be heard, but that only you would be heard, speaking and ministering and proclaiming your word within me and through me. And Father, we give these things into your hands. We ask and pray it in Jesus' name, who taught us to pray. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen and amen. Well, church, uh, let's go ahead and get into the word of the Lord for tonight. So as I've said, we've been in this series command and in this series, God has been teaching us through its messages on how we have the authority to issue a command. And as we issue a command or as a command is issued to us, we will respond. Amen. It's just kind of similar to that of a computer uh, prompt. 
Um, so amen. So here we are, week number four, sermon number four, and we are at the conclusion of this command series. Super excited for what God has in store for us tonight. Do me a favor, open your Bibles to the book of 1 Peter, the epistle of 1 Peter. We're going to be reading chapter 1, verses 13 through 16. Again, that is the book of 1 Peter, chapter 1, verses 13 through 16. Now take your time in getting there, but keep in mind that I read from the ESV version of the Holy Bible. That is the English Standard Version. However, you may use whatever translation uh, best suits you or that you're best able to understand. The wording is different, but the general meaning is the same. So again, that is the book of First Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 16. And I'm going to go ahead and begin to read the word of God to you. The word says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Amen. Thank you, Father, for your word. Amen. Church, are you ready for this word? I pray that you guys are. Let's get into it. Amen. So, one thing that I want us to focus on tonight is the word be. B-E. The word I want us to focus on tonight is be. B-E. B is a concrete command. That's what I heard the Lord say this week as I was prepping this sermon. As I was putting this sermon together, I heard the Lord say that B is a concrete command. What is a concrete command? That is not, probably not, a uh, well-known um, IT language, or that's probably not known as the proper... Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? The proper terminology. Thank you, Holy Spirit. It's probably not the proper terminology as to what that word, uh, what a what, what a concrete word is. Okay, but what God was explaining to me is that when He says it's a concrete command, when it's a concrete word, it's a concrete command. He says that um, the 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 command that is programmed by God to transform you into whatever you connect to it, all right? So in other words, the word be, right, is concrete. It never changes. It remains the same. God designed it that way. And what happens is, is when you take the promises of God and you take the word of God and you plug it into that word, that's what you then become, amen? So again, the word be is a concrete command. The word be never changes but what changes in you depends what you connect to it. I'm going to say that again. Catch it. Catch it. Amen. It is B is a concrete word. It never changes. The command B never changes. But what changes on the inside of you is dependent upon what you connect to it. So if you connect the promises of God to that word B, so you shall be. But if you take the things of the enemy and connect it to that word be, then that's what you will be. For example, you take um, addiction, right? If you were to plug that word addiction, or if you were to take any form of addiction and connect it to that word be, that's what you will become. My God, catch it, catch it, church, catch it. Say to your neighbor, neighbor, catch it. Glory to God. The word be never changes, but whatever you connect to that word be, that's what you shall become. Amen. So if you're plugging your addictions, if you're feeding your addictions into that word, that command prompt be is going to execute a function that you will then become. Amen. Glory to God. So be careful what you connect to your be. Your be is you. 
your B, your B-E, that is you. B represents you, who you are as a person. It represents your life and everything that you connect to you is going to become a part of you. The word B, the B is who you are. The B is who God created you to be. The B is your existence, my God. Your B is your existence, my God. So again, whatever you connect to you, to your B, is what you shall become. Amen. Our minds is a processor. Like your computer has a processor, so does your physical body. And it is called your brain. Your physical body has a processor that's called your brain. It's a human organ, right? Your mind, your brain controls every function of your body, your physical body, right? So how I'm doing all these hand gestures, how I'm moving my head, how I'm, you know, picking up this tablet, how I'm picking up the Bible, all of that is done from within your brain, right? Your brain sends all these electric signals throughout your body that uh, performs movement. Glory to God. Amen. So a processor in a, com a computer is the brain of the computer. And what the processor actually does is it it sends electric pulses. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Correct me if I'm wrong uh, to my IT people out there. But what it does is it it, 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 it it makes your computer run either slowly or efficiently. It makes a program run super slowly or it makes your uh, program run super efficiently. It's either going to be efficient or it's not going to be efficient. And all of that is dependent upon your processor. Amen. Our minds is like a processor. Anything that you feed into a processor, it, it, it creates an image for you to see. Amen. In our scripture tonight, in the book of First Peter, chapter 1, verses 13 through 16, he basically tells us a little bit about our brain, our processor. And he tells us in verse 13, he says, therefore, preparing your minds for action. What he's saying here, therefore, preparing your minds for the execution of the command of God. Every command that God issues to us is grabbed by the processor, goes through the processor, and then it's executing a processor's are in a place where it executes the command. It performs the command. Therefore, preparing your minds, your minds for action, for the execution of the command that God has given to you. And being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you and the revelation of Jesus Christ. And being sober-minded, what does it mean to be sober-minded? To be sober-minded is not to be double-minded. What is double-mindedness? Double-mindedness is where you say one thing, but then the next minute you do another thing. My God. You say that you believe God, but then the next minute in the next sentence, you say that you don't even know if God is, is real. That's double-mindedness. Another example uh, to make it more relatable to most of us here, uh, we say that we trust God in a certain area of our life, but then when it comes to a different area in our life, we say that we have no faith, that we do not trust God in that area. That, my friends, is double-mindedness. To go give you one more example, just to clarify. Uh, for those of you that say that you're a Christian, but yet on Sunday you're in church and you're praising God and you're giving God your best amen and you're giving God your best hallelujah and you're giving God your best praise, but then come Monday morning, you out in the world sinning, you out in the world cussing, you're out in the world lusting, you're out in the world doing, every, world doing everything that you're not supposed to be doing. My God, you're out in the world doing everything that you're not supposed to be doing. That, my friends, is forms, examples of what double-mindedness looks like and what double-mindedness is. My God. So he says, for you to be sober-minded, how do I be sober-minded? I be sober-minded by grabbing control of my thoughts. 
I, I become sober-minded by keeping my mind fixated on Jesus Christ. I become sober-minded by making sure that my mind is always focused on the Word of God, that there may be no room for the enemy to come in the back door to implant all kinds of ungodly and negative thoughts that may produce death and doubt, and that may produce anxiety and anything and everything that is not like God. So when we, again, last week we said that whenever you receive and you apply the word of God to your life, the word of God takes up space in your life to the point where the enemy has no room to move, where the enemy has no room to implant anything that is not of God. Amen. So our minds are processors. Like your computer has a processor, your mind has a your mind is your processor and it will determine if you're going to move effectively. It's going to determine if you move efficiently or if you're not going to move efficiently. Ask your neighbor, neighbor, what is your processor doing? Amen. What is your processor doing? What is your mind doing in this moment? Amen. Um, I remember my wife, uh, Lady Laura, Pastor Laura, she woke up, glory to God, uh, one night, early one night. She woke up early in the morning and she could not go back to sleep. Normally, I fall asleep with the TV on and there's no particular reason why that is. Um, I just sleep with the TV on. I always sleep with the, the, the TV on. The uh, sound in some way or another helps me to relax and go to sleep. Um, but anyways, um, glory to God, I always try to find a movie to watch. I always try to find a movie to watch as I'm prepping to go to sleep. So in this moment, I'm watching a movie and I doze off and I go to sleep. And so the next morning I wake up and my wife, uh, Laura, she tells me, she says, last night I woke up early in the morning. I woke up at like four o'clock in the morning and I had trouble going to sleep and what began to happen was my mind was racing. Now, her mind wasn't racing with negative thoughts. It was racing with all kinds of thoughts of what could be done in that moment. She was like, oh, well, I can read my five chapters right now. Oh, I, now, mind you, it's four o'clock in the morning. I can read my five chapters right now. Oh, I could go ahead and meal prep. Oh, I could go ahead and prep this. I could go ahead and do this. She had this whole list of stuff that was running through her mind as to what she could be doing in that moment just because she couldn't sleep. That is an example of your mind being a processor. That is an example of your mind being a processor. Either your processor is going to run fast to make you efficient or effective, or it's going to run super slow to make you less um, progressive. What is a fast processor? What is a fast processor what is a fast mind versus a slow mind? <coughs> what it, excuse me, what does that look like? I'm going to show you. Someone whose mind works very fast, that's not always a good thing. It's good in certain situations. Um, I'm pretty sure if you've ever gone through a job interview, uh, maybe a store manager position or maybe a high level executive position, they ask if you're a critical thinker. A critical thinker is someone who is quick on their feet to make a decision that is going to be effective. So how quick of a decision can you make? That's what they'll ask you. How critical, how much of a critical thinker are you? And then you will give them a, a response or you will answer on a scale from one through 10. Let me ask you in this moment, how much of a critical thinker spiritually are you? How much of a critical thinker spiritually are you? How quick are you to receive those commands from God and have them executed within your life? So again, I told you, Laura, she woke up saying that thoughts were racing through her mind. They were all good thoughts, not necessarily negative thoughts, but because she was having all these different thoughts, what could have happened was it could have reduced, it could have produced anxiety. This is why I tell you not every, not your mind racing is not always a good thing because it can produce anxiety if you're not careful. The Bible says that there's a season for all things. There's a season for this and there's a season for that. So there is a season where your mind needs to act 
reactively. There is a season where your mind needs to be quick on its feet, but there are seasons where your mind is not required to act that fast. What would you do if I told you that you control the speed of your brain? What would you do if I told you that you control the speed of your mind? Hear me. What would you do if I told you that you control the speed of your mind? And if you learn how to control the speed of your mind, adjust your thoughts, adjust what you focus on, adjust what needs to be dealt with in that moment, you could reduce anxiety from coming upon you by 89 to 95%. My God. Most of the times, anxiety is produced in your life when you allow your mind to go in hyperdrive when it doesn't even need to be in hyperdrive. Amen? Amen. Now, I will give you an example of when our minds need to react quickly. You're out on the street. You see somebody, um, you're out on the street and you see somebody... um, that they're arguing with their spouse or they're arguing with their girlfriend or they're arguing with a friend or they're arguing with somebody that is with them. What do you do? Do you go up and share the love of God with them? Do you go up and share the love of Jesus with them, pray with them, pray for them? Or do you just go about your day? Do you just go about your week? You see a homeless person asking for money. What will you do? Will you give them the money? Will you go give them something to eat? Or will you just not do anything but walk past them? Don't this kind of put you in mind of that parable that Jesus gave of the Good Samaritan? And in that parable, Jesus tells us that there was a, a, a man who got robbed and he was greatly hurt. And a priest came by and did nothing. A Jew came by and did nothing because he was a Jewish man. But a Samaritan came by, took him, put him on his coat, took him into uh, the inner city, put him in an inn, paid for his stay, paid for his food, and had him cared for. This is significant because the Samaritans were despised by the Jews and vice versa because of their theological belief as to where the true place of worship was. And this is discovered and uh, the conversation that Jesus was having with the Samaritan woman by the well. Amen. In our opening scripture, we see some examples of things that we should be connected to. We are to be sober-minded, right? We are to have control over our mind. We are to have control over our thoughts. We are to be hopeful in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And we are to be obedient children. These are examples of commands that are to be connected to your be. These are examples of commands that are to be connected to your be. So you might want to write these down. You need to be sober-minded. You mean, In other words, you need to have control over your thoughts and you need to be able to regulate according to the situation, according to the circumstance, according to what you're going through. You need to regulate the speed of your mind. You need to regulate the speed of your processor. You need to be, um, be uh, hopeful, amen? In other words, have faith, amen? Because when you have faith, you have confidence. The Bible says that faith is the thing's not seen, but are hoped for. So have faith, be hopeful in the return and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And lastly, be obedient children. Excuse me, be obedient children. In other words, execute the command when the command is given to you. Be sober-minded, be ready for the command to be processed through your mind that it may be executed quickly, that you may be proactive, that you may be effective, that you may be efficient in the kingdom of God for the glory of God. Amen. There are so many other things that God intends for us to be, and today 
we're going to examine those other commands that God has issued to us through his word that we need to connect to our be in order for us to become all that God created and intended for us to be. Now, I'm going to take a sip of water, but before I do that, let me know in the chat, are you ready to learn about these commands, these commands that you need to connect to your be in order for you to become? Go ahead. Give God a praise. I'm going to take a sip of water. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen and amen. Glory to God. Amen. Well, church, here we go. Today's message is titled B. B. And there's a blank there. B, you fill in the blank. B, you fill in the blank. So church, I need you to fill in the blanks after that word B. Remember, we established already that B is the concrete word, meaning it never changes. It has been designed by God that whatever we connect to it transitions us, transforms us into becoming. Amen. So um, as we get into our first point, I want you to do me a favor. Turn open your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke. Turn your Bibles open to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8, and we're going to read verses 43 through 48. Again, that is the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8, verses 43 through 48. Now, again, once you get there, take your time, but when, uh, I'm sorry, take your time in getting there, but once you get there, please make sure that you follow along. So again, that's the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8, verses 43 through 48. And I'm going to go ahead and begin to read. The Word of God says, And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she has spent all her living on physicians, she cannot be healed. Mm, be healed. She cannot be healed by anyone. She came up behind him, behind Jesus, and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, Who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive, perceive, processor, I perceive that power has gone out from me. My God. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Go in peace. Amen. So here we have this woman who'd been suffering for 12 years with a medical condition. This woman had a medical condition that where she was hemorrhage, she was hemorrhaging internally. She was hemorrhaging in eternal uh, not eternally, internally. She was hemorrhaging. She her body was leaking out blood from within itself. It says that she suffered from this illness for 12 years and there was no doctor that was able to cure her sickness. There was no doctor that was able to resolve the issue, the medical condition that she had. As the doctors attempted to treat her, they ended up making the sickness worse than what it was before, according to the gospel of, I think it's either a Mark or Matthew. And Matthew or Mark, the Gospel of Matthew or Mark, uh, their their take on this story, their perception, their um their information that they provide, they said that the doctors, the physicians, that when they went to go treat her, they made the sickness even worse than what it was originally. Let me interject something here. There for some of you, there may be times where you go to a doctor and they can't diagnose you properly. There may be a time where you go to a doctor and they don't understand or they can't come up with the cure for the issue that you're going through. And half the times the treatment they try to give to you ends up making you feel worse than what the sickness itself actually makes you feel. 
<clears throat> excuse me, for example, for example, if you ever see, have you guys ever seen those commercials on TV where they advertise these pharmaceutical drugs and they say, ask your, diver, uh, ask your doctor about this and these are the side effects and they go so quick through those side effects. And the reason why that is, is because they don't want you to be focused on the side effects. They only want you to be, a, be focused on the effect of the drug. But how effective is the drug going to be if it kills you? How effective is the drug going to be if it causes you to have another symptom that you never even had in the beginning? How effective is it going to be if your symptoms worsen than what you already have? So it says as they attempted to treat her, she became worse. Her condition became worse. I'm not saying, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying don't take medication. I believe that God gave us doctors for a reason, but I trust more in the report of the Lord. Amen. If your doctor has issued medication, by all means, take the medication. But if the Lord tells you not to, then do what the Lord tells you to do. And faith. Amen. Glory to God. But when you go to the doctor and they're not able to cure you right away, or they're not able to give you the proper diagnosis, or they're not able to give you the right treatment, my God, don't be disappointed. Amen? Disappointment only comes from when we put our faith more in something else than God. I say that again. Faith, <coughs> when we put our faith more into something else other than God, it will end up leaving us disappointed. Well, Apostle, um... <clears throat> my mom, the doctors couldn't heal her. My dad, my the doctors couldn't heal her. My grand, uh, my 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 aunt, my aunt, they could not heal her. My 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 grandma, they couldn't heal her. My grandpa, they couldn't heal her. But why are you disappointed? Is not a physician just like you in the flesh? Is not a physician got the same brain that you got? The only difference about their brain is it got more knowledge about medical conditions and treatments because that is what they went to school for. That's what they are trained in. That is what they are prepared and equipped to do. A lot of people recently have been putting their faith in doctors to come up with a cure, scientists to come up with a cure for the COVID-19 pandemic that we're in. And each and every time there is hope that there is a new vaccine, it always falls through and people always end up disappointed. And the reason why people end up disappointed is because they're putting their faith more in medicine than they are in the one who created the medicine. I'm not talking about the doctor. I'm talking about your God. Don't you understand that your God is the great physician? Don't you understand that your God is the great I am? Don't you understand that the same God who sent his son Jesus in the form of flesh and took his life upon a cross and took upon your sins, your sicknesses and your illnesses and your ailments upon the cross of G Oh my God, your sins, your sicknesses, your ailments, your defects have been taken to the cross of Calvary. And the good news is that when Jesus died on the cross, he left it all there. And when he was raised to life. He was raised to life and victory. And he said, behold, I hold the keys of death, hell, and the grave. What did you think that meant? Did you think that meant that you're going to stay sick? Did you think that that meant that you were going to die? Did you think that meant that you were going to, oh my God, that you were going to be kept in sin, that you were going to be kept in the hands of the enemy? Don't you understand what he meant by that? That I hold the keys of hell, death, life, Life in the grave, my God. That means that you don't have to be sick. You don't have to be ill. You don't have to be a sinner. You don't have to be anything that God says. God. You don't have to be anything that God says you don't have to be. My God, it is in parentheses because it is optional. The code that the enemy writes is in parentheses because it is an optional. It is optional, my God. You don't have to give in to it if you don't want to give in to it. 
I don't know about you, but I think this is a moment where we need to praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Because when you praise God, there is healing in the midst of your praise. I don't know what your condition looks like. I don't know what your medical diagnosis is. I don't know, but all I know is that my God is able. All I know is that the same God who put his son on a cross and raised him to life is the same God that can take your illness and make it dry up. In the name of Jesus, she said, my God, she said, if I could just press my way, if I could just press my way through the crowd, even though she, she got to a point where she could not walk, she was on her belly crawling to the one that could heal her. Not being afraid of people trampling on her. Not afraid if somebody tripped over. Not afraid of anything but pressing her way to the one who could heal her. And she had that mindset, even if I could just touch the fringe of his garment, I know that I will be made whole. I know that I will be made healed. And so she got to Jesus and she touched him. She hurried up and reached out and grabbed him. And immediately Jesus felt the miracle being performed in that moment. My God, what will your faith do for you? What will your faith do for you? Ask your neighbor, neighbor, what will your faith do for you? My God, my God. In order to be healed, we must understand what healing is. Amen. Because even so many times we get disappointed with God. Because we expect healing to be one way, but God may say healing is in a different uh, in a different way. Amen. We need to understand what healing is and what true healing looks like. <coughs> one thing that I want to tell you is that healing is not always in the format we perceive to be uh, perceive it to be in. Some of you perceive a miracle to always happen. Amen. Some of you always perceive a miraculous healing. Healing doesn't always happen miraculously. Even in the Bible, there were only several instances where there was a miraculous healing. So if a miraculous healing does not happen right or happen to you, don't be uh, don't be discouraged. Don't lose faith. Just know that God can still heal you, but it doesn't always have to come in the form of a miraculous event. My God. Miraculous events are orchestrated by God and set apart, uh, set apart by God to be performed and conducted at a precise moment. And as Jesus said, whenever he performed a miracle, this was done so that others may believe and see and know that God is good. And then he goes on to say, you believe, you believed because you've seen, but blessed are those who believe without seeing. And I tell you the truth, there is coming a time where people will not see what you have seen. Church, we are now living in that moment. We are now living in that time where we're not seeing as many miracles as the original 12 apostles were able to see. Doesn't mean that we can't see a miracle. It does not mean that we can't walk into a miracle. It just means that we need to have faith even if a miracle does not happen. My God. My God. Healing is not always in the format we perceive it to be in. What would you do if I tell you that sometimes God heals a person by calling them to be home with himself in the kingdom of God, departing them from this life? That's right. Sometimes healing comes in the form of death. Sometimes healing comes in the form of death. Because sometimes your body is so damaged, right? Jesus said that every... Uh, that every uh, hair on our head is numbered. Jesus said that every hair on our head is numbered. There is, just as there was a, a precise moment that you were born, there will be a precise moment that is recorded in the kingdom of God when you will depart this life. And when your place is prepared, that when your place is prepared, my God, when your life has come to its end, God will take you from this life. Amen. God will take you from this life when your time comes. And we will know when that person's time comes because we'll pray for healing, but healing won't come right away. Because God is saying that in that moment, the healing comes from 
them being taken out of their earthly body, being raised to life in him. But the beautiful thing about the beautiful thing about death is this. We'll see them again. The beautiful thing about death is that we will see them again if they have given their life fully to Jesus Christ. If they have fully surrendered their life to Jesus Christ and they've had faith that Jesus is their Lord and their Savior, Savior, then guess what? We will see them again in the kingdom of God. There are some people that believe that when you die, that's all there is. That this life is that all there is. While other people believe that when we die, we're put into a spiritual sleep. But if you go back to the words of Jesus, when he was teaching them about the resurrection, when he was teaching them about the resurrection, he said, well, in the Torah, the Old Testament, God said that he was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when he revealed himself to Moses in the burning bush. So if God says he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he is the God of the living and not the dead. He is the God of the living and not the dead. Don't believe me? <clears throat> you still believe that Moses and Aaron, uh, 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 Moses and them are in a spiritual sleep? Well, then why on the Mount of Transfiguration, before Jesus died on the cross and before he was raised to life again, why is it that um, on the Mount of Transfiguration, it says that both Elijah and Moses was with Jesus? So if Elijah and Moses with, was with Jesus, that tells us that they're not dead, but they are alive and they are well. Jesus said, though a man die, he shall not die. He will, he will still live. Though a man die, he shall still live if he has received me as his Lord and Savior. He then goes on to tell Martha or Mary that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father unless he comes through me. Jesus is that gatekeeper. He is that doorway that we must enter into in order to receive our miracle, in order to receive our divine healing, in order to receive all that God has in store for us. Amen. Amen. So again, healing is not always in the format that you perceive it to be in. Sometimes healing comes in the form of medication. Sometimes healing comes in the form of a doctor. Sometimes healing comes in the form of something else. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Don't say that you have no need to go to a doctor. By all means, go to your doctor. Say to your neighbor, neighbor, go to your doctor, but have more faith in Jesus than you do medication. And what I mean by that is I'm not saying don't take your medication, but what I am saying is that trust God to bring forth the healing more so than the medication you are taking. Amen. Amen. Healing is more spiritual than it is physical. I say that again. Healing is more spiritual than it is physical. Healing is produced by our faith, not by our works. Amen. <clears throat> there is nothing that you can do to be healed, but issue the command. There is no work that you can do to be healed the only verb that you need to do is issue the command. Say to your neighbor, neighbor, issue the command. I believe it was last week I was telling you about a friend of mine who come, came to me and said that he was not feeling well. He was feeling uh, ill. And my response to him was, well, issue the command and then give me a call. He issued the command and gave me a call and testified about how it actually worked. Church, do you think God is a liar? Do you think the word of God is a liar? Do you think that God is not capable? Do you think that God is not able to do the things in which he said he would do? Amen. There's a reason why Jesus said that if you bind something up on earth, it will be done in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth, it will be done in heaven. There's a reason why Jesus said no weapon formed against you shall prosper. There's a reason that the word of God says that we can take authority over things, right? 
There's there's a reason, there is a purpose because God wants you to know that there is commands that he has issued and programmed you with, but there's also commands that you can speak out of, speak out and things will respond when it is in accordance with the will of God and the word of God. Amen. So healing is more spiritual than it is physical. Healing is produced by our faith, not by our works. Amen. Amen. So again, this first point, be healed. Amen. This first point, be healed, my God. And I'm pretty sure it already came up on your screen beforehand, but be healed. Amen. <coughs> healing is produced by our faith, not by our work. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. So be healed. Amen. Amen. <coughs> Sometimes we aren't healed because instead of trusting in the word of God, we trust in the report of the doctor all the more. When we trust in the report of the doctor all the more, <clears throat> we're not going to hear or we're not going to receive the healing. Amen. We must trust in the word of God more than we do the report of man. And what I mean by that is right away, we get a serious diagnosis such as cancer. We get a serious diagnosis such as, um, you know, diabetes or whatever. You fill in the blank of whatever pro uh, diagnosis you may have received or a family member may have received. When we receive those diagnoses, the immediate response in our mind is that we're going to die. That's your immediate response. We're going to die. But the Bible says that you shall not die, but instead you shall live. Amen. Amen. So again, believe more in the report of God than you do the doctor. If they say you got cancer, say in the name of Jesus, I command the cancer to leave my body. And I decree and declare in Jesus name that the cancer is healed. My God. And it will be done. Sometimes the cure is worse than sickness itself. Sometimes the cure the doctors try to give to you is, you got to understand, it's man-made. And because it's man-made, it's already flawed. Because it's man-made, it's already flawed. So sometimes the cure is worse than the sickness itself. We must stop speaking about the sickness and start speaking about the healing. Amen. We must stop speaking about the sickness and start speaking about the healing. My God. My, 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 my. Say to your neighbor. Neighbor, be made whole. Amen. Our first point was be healed. Our next point is be made whole. Be made whole. Do me a favor, turn your Bibles open to the book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5, verse 23. Again, that's the book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5, verse 23. And the word of the Lord reads, it says, Now may, or now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Brothers, pray for us. Greet all the... Uh, I'm sorry, I was only supposed to read verse 23. I'm going to go back. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's verse 23. First. Thessalonians 5:23 and amen. In order to be made whole, we must learn how to sanctify ourselves. What is sanctification? What does it mean to sanctify ourselves? A lot of people are stuck in the mindset that it's okay to live in sin. It's okay not to be holy. It's okay because you're not perfect, right? That's all 
every time that's the responses that we hear. We hear, oh, it's okay, I'm not perfect. God expects me to fall short, so I'm just gonna fall short. It's okay, it's all right. No, it's not, amen? The Bible says that you are to sanctify yourself. To sanctify yourself means that you are to reserve yourself for God. It means that you are to reserve yourself for the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, act as one who is approved by God. See yourself approved by God. And if I'm living a life that is approved by God, that means I have to live a sanctified life, a life that is in accordance with the will of God, a life that is in accordance, in tune with the word of God. That means when the word, when I'm in tune with the word of God, when I'm in tune with the spirit of God, that means that there is no room for me to sin. My God. But if you're stuck in that mindset, if you're stuck in that, that deception, that virus that says that it's okay to be not be holy, it's okay to fornicate, it's okay to cheat, it's okay to lust, it's okay to lie. If you let your mind deceive you to believe those things are true, then you position yourself in the place of torment. And what I mean by that is when this life fades away and you let, you leave this life, you depart this life and you stand before the judgment seat of God, you're only going to hear the Lord say, get away from me for I never knew you, you who break the will, the laws of my father, my God. Amen. It is impossible for you to have a relationship with Jesus Christ when you continuously live a life of deception. It is it is impossible for you to get into the kingdom of God or have a relationship with Jesus Christ when you continue to allow yourself willfully live in sin and don't even put up a fight against the sin that you are facing. My God. Don't you know that it's blasphemy against the Holy Spirit to know the will of God, to know the word of God, to know the commands of God and not execute them in your life? And don't you understand that blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is the unforgivable sin? That means when you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you done lived your whole life knowing Jesus. You've known your whole life knowing the will of God. You lived your whole life knowing the word of God, knowing that what you were doing was sin and you continue to do it. And by doing it, you slap God in the face. Amen. Amen. So if you are living in sin, get out. Amen. Get out of it. Get out of your sin. Say to your neighbor, neighbor, get out of your sin. Get out of your sin. My God, get out of your sin. All have fallen short of the glory of God. But if you are willfully sinning, you are in danger of blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Be careful. Amen. Say to your neighbor, neighbor, be careful. <clears throat> Excuse me. You've got to fight the good fight. You've got to run your race with endurance. And when sin comes abound, when sin comes against you, when sin comes against you, you got to be willing to stand against it. And you got to be willing to put up a fight. My God. My God. But Jesus calls us to be holy, church. Jesus calls us to be holy. Jesus calls us to live a sanctified life through him. There are scriptures that say that all things are possible to those who believe. All things are possible with Jesus Christ, amen, who gives us the strength. And our flesh, in this human earthly body, it is not possible. But with God, all things are possible. Be made whole. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Jesus calls us to be holy because he is holy. And when we receive him as our Lord and Savior, we are able to live our life within him and through him. And it reproduces a sanctified and a holy lifestyle. My God. To sanctify yourself again means to reserve yourself for God. Are you reserved for God? If you're not reserved for the Lord, then what are you reserved for? Because what you fail to realize is that if you're not reserved for God, there is something else that you have reserved a place for in your life. 
and whatever you have reserved a place for in your life, that becomes your God, that becomes your idol, that becomes whatever it is that you worship. Amen? Amen. In order to be made whole, you must dive into the word of God. For the word of God is to be a part of our life. Amen. If, when you talk about being made whole, that means your body be made whole. Amen. And the only way for you to be whole is to be filled. Amen. The only way for you to be made whole is to be filled. My God. My God. Amen. In order to be made whole, we must live with Jesus and for Jesus. In order to be made whole, we must operate in faith and be filled with the spirit of the living God. To be made whole means to fill every gap, every void that is within your life. Just as God filled the void in the book of Genesis chapter 1, so God can fill the void in your life. Will you let him issue a command to produce fruit in your life? Will you let him issue the command that you may be filled and not voided, my God? Is there any emptiness within you today? Is there any emptiness within you that you need to be filled? If so, fill it with the Lord because he is the gap filler. He is the void filler. Wherever there is emptiness in your life, that is indication that that's where Jesus needs to be. If you say that I feel alone, that means that you need a relationship with Jesus, my God. If you say that you need love, then you need a relationship with Jesus because there is only true love found within Jesus Christ. My God, my God, my God. Whatever is empty in your life, that's where you need Jesus the most. My God. For Jesus will bring the fulfillment. Jesus will bring the fulfillment. My God. My last point is this. Be faithful. Be faithful. Be faithful. My God. Many times did Jesus tell us throughout the scriptures to have faith. Jesus tells us, that if we have faith, we can move mountains. Jesus tells us that if we have faith, we can move mountains. What mountains in your life do you need to be made moved? The word teaches us that we need faith in order to be pleasing unto God. If we have not faith, we have doubt. And doubt will hinder, your, will hinder your ability to move in God and God's ability to move in your life and in your situation. So wherever you say that you don't sense the presence of God or wherever you say that things have not changed or things have not transitioned or transformed and things have not moved, it's because you have not the faith to receive the command from God that the command may be executed to make the change come. My God. There was a man that needed something from Jesus. He needed healing on behalf of his son. And he said, Jesus, my son's been oppressed since a child by a demon that throws him into convulsions and tries to throw him in the fire and in the, night, uh, in the water as sold to kill him. And Jesus said, well, let it be so according to your faith that he healed be healed. The man said, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. I believe, but help me with my unbelief. My God. We need to learn to ask God to help us in areas where we lack. Stop deceiving yourself. Stop allowing the enemy to deceive you to believe that you do not lack in any area of your life. Stop letting the enemy make you think that there is an area of your life where you don't lack. If you're not examining your life according to the standard and the will of God, then how can you say that there is something in your life that you're not lacking? To the fact that you're still in the same situation that you're in, could it be that there's, there's a, uh, 
Could it be the reason why you're still in the same situation that you're in today that you were in five, 10 years ago, five, 10 months ago is because you lack in faith in that particular area? I'm just asking, oh my God. We need to learn to ask God to help us in those areas where we lack. Father, I believe that you can do this for me, but Father, help me with my unbelief. I believe that you can move this mountain. I believe that you can heal this sickness. I believe that you can bring salvation into my family, but help me, Lord, with my unbelief. My God. To lack is nothing to be ashamed of, but it is something we are to grow from. Because rather, if your brothers or sisters will admit to it or not, I'm pretty sure there has been a moment, there has been a season in every person's life that is here tonight where we lacked in faith. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure there's been a moment in, 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 our, in our lives where we lacked in faith. But God. But God, who is faithful, still did the miracle anyway. But God, who is faithful, still answered the prayer anyway. But God, who is faithful, expanded and increased our faith and decreased our doubt. To lack is not to be ashamed of, but it is for you to mature from. It is for you to grow from it. Amen. We are to get faithful. I'm sorry. We are to get faith that we can be faithful unto God. I say that again, we are to get faith that we can be faithful unto God. To be faithful is to be full of faith, amen, because in order for you to be dedicated, faithful, faithfulness, faithful, to be faithful means to follow. To be faithful means to, um, to be um, de dedicated. There we go. Thank you, Holy Spirit. To be dedicated. But how can you be dedicated and someone you don't trust? Faith position, positions you in a place that you can trust God. And when you trust God, you will begin to follow God. My God. So, to be faithful is to be full of faith. You can't be committed to God unless you have faith to enable God to be able to move in your life. Faithfulness is twofold. It represents our dedication unto God and God's dedication unto us. We're not just dedicated to God. God is dedicated to us. And I will go as far to say that God is probably more dedicated to us than we are dedicated unto him. I'm going to leave that right there. And lastly, because of our faith, as it continues to grow, it will continue to produce. As it continues to produce, it gives us the power to be all that God created us to be. Amen. So your faith positions you in a place that you can be everything that God has intended and created you to be. Amen. Church, did you receive this word on tonight? If you receive this word, I need you to activate your faith in this place and give God a shout of praise. I need y'all to lift up your voice and worship. I need you to lift up your voice and praise. I need you to lift up your hands right now and give God all the glory for he is worthy for his word is true. Hallelujah. His word is true, church, and it shall go forth and do that and which it was sent out to do and shall not return unto God void, but it will return unto God fulfilled in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Give God all the praise, give him all the glory and honor for he alone is worthy. Amen. Amen. And amen. Well, before we conclude our worship experience tonight, we never like to end a worship experience. We never like to end a broadcast without first giving you the opportunity to get your heart right with God. Amen. The Bible says that whoever believes in their heart that Jesus is Lord, that he died for their sins and on the third day raised to life and profess these things with their mouth, they shall be saved. The word of God also says that whoever the sun sets free is free indeed. Amen. Maybe you are one of the people tonight that were being convicted by the message. Maybe you were once saved, but you forfeited your salvation because you turned back to a life of sin. Whatever your situation, whatever your circumstance, if you're unsure of your salvation, if you've fallen short of the glory of God, whatever your story is, 
We encourage you to come to the altar tonight. We encourage you to come before the presence of God tonight. Do not leave this place. Do not go into Monday. Do not leave Sunday without first calling upon the name of Jesus. Amen. Don't let this day end without you receiving Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior so that you may obtain a relationship with him. In the book of Revelation, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. Will you let me come in that I may fellowship with you? Jesus wants to fellowship. He wants intimacy with you. Will you give him that intimacy? Will you give him that chance at a relationship? If so, we invite you tonight. Amen. We invite you tonight. Just know that you don't have to uh, be right in order to get right. Amen. You don't have to be right in order to get right. Come as you are to the throne of grace. Come as you are to the cross of Calvary and receive the one who can make you right. Amen. Amen and amen. For those of you that wish to commit or recommit your life to Jesus Christ, click on that, that raise hand button there in the chat. Don't worry about if you're the first hand or if you're the only hand to be raised. The Bible says that God rejoices over the one repentant sinner. Now, just keep in mind that when you click on that button, when you click on that raise hand button, it only lets us know that somebody gave or regave their life to Christ. It does not let us know who you are exactly. But we would love to know who you are. We would love to hear your story. We would love to walk this walk with you. Just know that you do not have to walk this walk alone. We can walk it right with you. And this is a good family here at Greater Impact Church to be a part of. There is no formal uh, way to become a member. If you keep coming back to worship here, if you keep coming back to church here and be active and engaged each and every week, you are considered a part of our church family. Amen. Amen. So if you want to commit or recommit your life to Christ, click on that raise hand button and join me in this simple prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, <clears throat> I come before you tonight. I humble myself at the cross of Calvary. I humble myself at the throne of grace. And I confess, Lord, that there is a need in my life for you. I, conf I confess, Lord, that I've sinned against you willingly and knowingly. But Lord, I'm here to surrender everything over to you now. I fully surrender my heart. I fully surrender my mind. I fully surrender my entire life. And I repent of my sins this day. <clears throat> and I ask, Lord, that you make your home in my heart. For I believe you died for me. I believe on the third day you raised to life. You ascended into heaven and you are soon to come back again. Lord Jesus, I receive you this day as my Lord and Savior. Make your home in my heart. Make your home in my life. And help me, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> help me, <clears throat> excuse me, help me to be in a more closer relationship with you. And I trust and know that you will. Remember me and record my name in your book of life. And help me to be all that I can be within you and through you. In your most holy and precious name I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you said that simple prayer, I would like to be the first to welcome you to or welcome you back to the kingdom of God. Just know that in this moment, all the angels of heaven are rejoicing and we rejoice alongside with them. Amen. Amen and amen. If you have not already done so and you said that simple prayer, click that raise hand button. There is a live prayer button beneath the video feed there. Click on that if you want somebody to pray with you one-on-one -on -one, or if you want to share your faith or if you want to uh, somebody to counsel you or feel more than welcome to message everyone in the general chat if you so wish to do so. But we encourage you that as you've given or re-given your life to Christ, take it the next step. Go share with someone your decision for Jesus and don't be afraid of what they say about you. The only opinion that truly matters is that of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen and amen. Well, church, as always, it's been a blessing to be here before you. I pray that you guys have a blessed and impactful week. And I look forward to seeing you guys in the chat in just a second as we conclude our worship experience with some worship and praise. God bless you and may God's peace and grace be with you all in Jesus name. Have a blessed and impactful week, and I will see you next week for the start of our new series titled Follow Me. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. See you guys soon.